Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Christmas. All right. All right. Uh, I just want to take a second with what Pastor Allen was saying. Empty cups. Empty cups. You know, who doesn't want, you know, God, fill us up, fill us up. It's hard to fill something that's already full, right? If you're already full and already, man, man, God looking for some empty cups. That was so good. Pastor Allen, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. So good. 21 days of prayer and fasting. How many of you guys, uh, well, I don't want to ask that question. <laughs> Never mind. Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't tell me. If you haven't started, start now. We saw y'all with donuts in the lobby. We ain't judging, but my wife had three or four of them. I'm just saying, you know. My kids, I'm actually really proud of my kids. We talked to them about fasting this year, and we just said, hey, what is it that you want to fast? And um, we're going to fast Pete's cell phone later. And, uh, but they, one of my daughters said, I'm going I'm to fast sugar. And I said, oh, you know, that, that's a good one. What, what's, what's that all about? And, and so she said, that I'm going to fast sugar. I'm going to fast sweets. And then next thing you know, it's a day into it. And she's like, ice cream doesn't have sugar in it. It's like, <laughs> like, no joke. And we're like, no, it does. And then she literally got on her mom's Walmart app and started searching for sugar-free ice cream. I'm like, she's smart. She's smart. Just work the system. Work the system. So good. Uh, but if you missed Devin's message last week about fasting, about not just fasting, yeah. But this idea of just not what we are going away from, but what we are replacing. And just for a second, TJ, could you mute the other channels? There's something that's buzzing through the system. Um, but what you're replacing it with. So one of the things is I'm just, uh, I'm personally just saying I want to replace uh, kind of all things in my life that, you know, I want Christian music, Christian television, reading Christian literature, and I'm doing all that during the season, and it's been really good so far. Um, we've been watching this TV show, The Chosen. I don't know if y'all seen that. Yeah. I mean, way to put, like, Christian TV back on the map, like... You know, like, man, come on, redeem some Christian television, and it's doing it uh, really good. So I'll just encourage you with not just what you are abstaining from, but what you are filling back with. Uh, the next part of our journey, the next six months, I want to take us, uh, well, let me back up for a second. The, the last three months of 2022, we were really looking at the book of Jeremiah, and in that book, Jeremiah says, stop, stand at the crossroads, look around, ask for the old godly paths, the old ancient ways, the eternal ways, walk in those that there might be rest for your soul. This idea, and then we looked at seven different uh, eternal paths, and, and I've just been praying for this rest for our soul, but not just for our soul, but rest for our mind, rest for our body, rest for our spirit, rest, a whole life at rest. And, and I think sometimes, when we think about this word rest, in our minds there's this idea of like, I'm just going to go take a nap. 
And, and there's something to that. There's times where you just need to go take a nap. And, and, but there's also this other aspect to the world, word rest. And it's when we just place our life in the hands of something or someone and we're totally at rest with do as you will. Father, unto you I commit my spirit. I rest my life in you. And, and I think I've been thinking about rest and this idea of our journey with Jesus. And, and resting with Jesus, sometimes it doesn't mean taking a nap. Sometimes it means Jesus wants to go skydiving. And if you've ever gone skydiving, there's this moment where if you're a rookie, there's somebody else that's done it before, and they literally strap you to them and jump out the plane, and you are just at their mercy. Like, they're going to pull the cord whenever they want to pull the cord, and you just have to enjoy the ride. And that's a little bit what it's like with following Jesus. Sometimes Jesus says, we're going to jump out the plane. And you know what? It's better just to enjoy the journey. It's better just, God, you pull the cord whenever you want. I know it looks like these mountains are getting closer, but God, you pull the cord whenever you want. My hands, my life, my soul rest in you. And, and I have this worry, to be honest with you. As your pastor, I have this worry that for some of us, we've been coming to church for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and our hearts have grown hard. Our minds have become clouded and our bodies have become weary. And I think what we need is a reboot. You know, like, oh, this computer ain't working. Just turn it off. Turn it back on again. Some of us just need a reboot, some fresh purpose, some fresh passion, a heart that is fully given to the absolute wonder of who Jesus is. That we didn't just come here to hear a band or to hear someone speak. We came to worship the king of all kings. We came to worship the one who speaks a word and worlds form and mountains come out of the sea and oceans and life is breathed into our lungs because of who he is. Amen. The wonder of the God that we serve. It's, 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 it's ghosts. You are worthy. You are worthy. You're worthy of my song. You're worthy of my life. You're worthy of everything. Don't forget what we came here to do. We came here to get into the presence of Almighty God. This is not a show. This is not something that we just do on Sundays because it's the cultural norm, because that's not even the cultural norm anymore in America. Things have shifted and things have changed. And it says in Matthew 24, listen, in those days the hearts of many will grow cold. And I'm worried because I've seen it over these last three, four years in numbers like great, great people, but their hearts have grown cold because they came to church, but they didn't come to Jesus. And there's a world of difference. To be fully at rest and surrendered in him have you lost any of your wonder? God, return to us the wonder of who you are. To be rooted in godly theology. How you think matters. How you think matters. The way you think about God changes everything about you. Matter of fact, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because how you think about him determines how you're going to act and how you're going to... Uh, uh, 
be it marriage or a boss or, or a husband or a wife, all of these things is how you think about God. And if you have this warped theology about who he is, it's going to mess up your life. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, there's this peace inside of me that sometimes, God, I, I just want to do something. I don't know what it is. I do something. There's something in me. I want to do something. I want to change the world. Does anybody else have that? You just there's something. There's this life. There's more to it. I just want to do something. But I've learned this: it's impossible to change the world if my heart is hardened. If my heart is hardened and bitter, and my life is restless. And so our challenge, and that's why we start this year with 21 days of prayer and fasting to say, in 2023, God, we're going to seek you first. And it's the challenge that I have for myself. It's the challenge I have for us as a church that we would put God first in all things, to seek his face, to find him, seek him with all wisdom and humility, with all of our mind, with all of our heart, with all of our body, with all of our soul. Teach us what it is to worship. Teach us what it is to think. Teach us what it is to live out this life and show people the kingdom of God at Walmart in aisle seven. Come on, somebody. Because it plays out very practically. It plays out very practically. I got an email. Um, it was probably a few weeks ago. And it was someone that's new to the church, and they were just interested, hey, what we're all about. And they had all of these questions. And I get these emails, but one of the questions I thought was, was really interesting is a question that no one had ever asked before, and the question was this, do y'all practice church discipline? I was like, yeah, but I've been thinking about it, and I was thinking, you know, we practice it, but it doesn't mean you receive it, right? You, you, you can practice it even with your kids at your house, but it doesn't mean that like, no, nah, we're 18, we out of here, you know? And it's kind of that attitude in church sometimes. There's this kind of underlining flow that I'm just waiting for the pastor to say something that I disagree with so we could leave. Come on, somebody. Can we start 23 off like this? Is this okay? Get a little church discipline? I know it ain't what you thought you were getting. But it's, some, it's the truth. It's the same with my soul and my heart where God disciplines me in my life and I either have the choice I'm gonna to submit to his discipline or I'm gonna keep going my own way. See, we're called to be changed into his image and his likeness. And we live in this world and we live in this culture that we want to change Jesus into our image and our likeness. See, something's going to change. Hint, it ain't him. Amen. All right? Come on. Can I receive it? Can I receive the discipline? Because I think some of it's coming in 2023. Because I don't want my heart to grow hard. I want to read from you from the book of Romans, chapter 8. The first few verses I want to read. I picked a different version. Actually, I think I'm going to read it. It's either King James or New King James. And then it'll pick up somewhere around verse 34 or 35 on the screen in the New Living Translation. Because there are a few words I just want you to catch this morning. Romans, chapter 8, beginning in verse 28, says this. Paul's writing this letter to the church. And we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to his image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. 
And also, those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall I say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will we not also, along with him, freely give us all things? Who will bring any charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is there to condemn us for Jesus Christ who died? And more than that, was raised to life and at the right hand of God, and he is interceding for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or if there's persecution or hunger or destitute or danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day and we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. And I am convinced. Are you convinced? Because Paul's convinced. But are you convinced? Because he says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for the today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8 has all of these, these questions. There's at least seven questions that Paul's posing. And one of the things he says, listen, can anything separate you? And to which he gives us the questions, and in all of these questions, he gives us the answer, and some of the answers are even embedded into the questions. But this one, he says, no, nothing can separate us from the love of God. But my question is, what can separate you from your love for him? See, because the enemy is going to do everything he can to bring space between you and your Savior. All of these things that Paul lists out, he's going to try to use these things to get you to think that God doesn't love you. He's going to use the dangers and the calamities and the persecutions and the heartache and the pain. He's going to whisper in your ear that God doesn't love you to try to separate you. What fiery dart of the enemy has he thrown at you and maybe it's lodged in your heart? Is there a dart of offense that you've allowed to creep in? Is there a knife in your back from the the pains or the scars from a friend that hurts you and now you find yourself fearful to trust again? All of these things we could use and we could even hold them as good excuses, but Paul's saying, listen, there's nothing that could separate us from Christ's love. He loves you in all of these things. Our passion, our first love. See, if, if, if we're not careful we could drift away. Have you ever been to the beach in the summer? Yeah, a few of you. (laughs) In the summertime, and there's these tourists, and they're excited to get to the beach. And some of y'all are probably in the room today. And and you came all the way from Jersey to be here. 
and you go to the beach, and it's amazing. And you can always tell the Jersey kids because the water's still freezing cold, and they're just like, it's amazing. And they're loving it, and they're loving life, and they're loving the beach. But what they don't realize is they're drifting down the beach. And, and all of a sudden, maybe the dad or the mom or somebody realizes, and they look up, and they don't know where their rental is at. They're, they're, they're four miles down the beach, and they're like, where is, we're, we're lost. They just drifted away with the current. See, and if we're not careful, church, we could drift away with the culture or current of the day. We could drift away with the things and, uh, uh, that, that will just, we, we think everything's all good and we're playing and having a good time, but we're, our hearts, whoa, 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 whoa. We're drifting with the tides of cultural Christianity and this theology, this, this crazy just, ins- I mean, um, can we just, I know we're not going to agree on everything, but can we agree on that America has kind of gone crazy? Like, we don't know if a dude is a dude or a girl's a girl anymore. Like, I'll get in trouble just for saying that. Where did, what happened? What happened with basic science? Like, not even Christian or faith, just science. And like, all of a sudden, I mean, we have just, and this, the reason why is because we choose our preferences over his word. We choose our sexual desires over his word. We choose what we think is best over what God says is best. And I'm here to tell you we've drifted. And it means repentance. It means God, I'm like this tourist. I'm way down. All right, let's go back. Let's go back to you. Change our mind, change our heart. Paul gives this list. What is it that can sever? And then the list that he gives, did you hear some of the things? I just thought this was so, he said, hunger and persecution and calamity and trouble and destitute and danger. Let me be honest with you, church, we don't even know these things yet. We think like getting blocked on Facebook is persecution. <laughs> Come on. Oh, no, they're not my friend anymore. Oh. Jesus doesn't love me, got a flat tire. Like, I'm serious. This is how soft we've gotten. And I know, like, come on, y'all. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the person next to you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) The reality is I'm talking to a mirror. I'm talking to myself. I'm right here with you. We're in the same boat. All these things Paul lists, is calamity, persecution, the hunger. In other words, like, these are given things to following Jesus. If you're going to follow Jesus, this is the reality of walking with him, calamity and persecution and heartache. But don't think that, Paul says, listen, don't think because these things happen to you that Jesus doesn't love you. It's the reality of walking this life with him. We will be persecuted and face this persecution. And if you don't understand this, you will jump ship the second things get hard. Because it's in our nature. It's in our nature to like, ooh, I don't want to, no. We've got to understand this. There's a few things, and I love what Paul says here. Listen, we know and we understand that all things work together for those. All things. You know what that means in the Greek? You know what it means in the Hebrew? You know what it means in the Chinese and Korean? All. It doesn't mean some. It doesn't mean a few things. It doesn't mean just the good things. It means all things. 
And Paul states this as if it's a statement that as a believer, you should already know. And we know this, that he works all things. So the question is, do you? Paul does. But do you know that he works? Now, it's kind of a trick question. Because with our finite minds, we, can't, we cannot understand how all things work together. You can only understand how some things work together. I can understand a little bit about how my car works. I understand that I put gas in that thing, and the gas goes into this engine, and there's piston, and there's fire, and there's explosion, and it turns these gears, and it turns the tires, and it moves me as I press this gas pedal. And, and I could see how this car kind of affects culture and affects the speed of travel, and I can see how this car now affects commerce, and I can see how it affects uh, the working world and how we could use transportation in, in a quicker way than when, when we didn't have it, and I can see also how this car now influences wars and rumors of wars because now all of a sudden we're fighting about oil, and I, I can see this one thing just from this one gas pedal. I can see a little bit how it affects families, and because of these wars, one family is left with abundance and another family is left at the funeral home. See, I can see how a few things work together, but I can't see how all things work together. But Paul says we know this. We know that he works all things together. So in other words, there's nothing in all of creation that God is not using for your good. Think about the implications of that. That means every single thing in this life and in all of creation, God is using and working in such a way for your good, the odds are on your side. And yet Paul's very clear, understanding his pain and persecution and heartache and all of these things that will go on, but even in that, God is working them for your good. And you will not, on this side of eternity, have complete understanding of how God works all things. Because God doesn't answer all of the questions on, well, this is why I did this, and this is why I did that, and this is why I did that. As a matter of fact, it will not be until we get and fully know him as we're fully known that we understand, oh, that's how you were working, Jesus. See, this is a core foundational theology, God, that you work all things together for my good, not just the good things, but the pain, the disappointment, the prison cells, the crosses. See, there's a choice that we have. You're either going to believe that or not. You're going to believe that or not. And Paul states this as this is an assumed fact. We should know. We know. Is this a part of your foundational thinking about who Jesus is? That he is good. And he is working all things for your good. What can separate us from the love of Christ? The enemy is going to use everything he can to get you to try to reject God's goodness. Everything that the enemy did to Job, he's going to try to do to you. And I want you to hear something from the book of Job in chapter 1, where there's this, there's this insight to this conversation that we have. And I want you to think about it from the mindset of the enemy. Because what he says here to God reveals his theology about God. And theology is just a way of saying this is how he thinks. This is how the enemy thinks of God and it's how he thinks about you. Now listen to this. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear you. You have always put a wall of protection around him. 
and his home and his property. And you have made him prosperous in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Did you catch that? See, in other words, the way the enemy thinks about us is the only reason we serve God is for what we can get from him. The reason we serve God is because he is a good God, and God puts this wall of protection. He does all of these things, but if if you remove that God, they'll curse you. Humanity only serves you for what they could get from you, and to which God's response is, no, 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 I believe Job serves me simply because of who I am. See, that, that right there is a huge thing. That's something you've got to come to terms with, with your life. Am I serving God for what he could do for me, or am I simply serving because he is worthy of all of my praise? I simply serve him because he is worthy, and, and, and everything is due him. And, and even if I don't get the blessings, and even if all of these things don't, God, you're still worthy. It reminds me of an old sermon, 10 shekels in a shirt. If you haven't heard that, Google it. It's a great sermon. It says, we are called according to his purpose. That God has called us according to his purpose. In other words, to know your purpose, you have to know the one who created you. Because your purpose is wrapped up in the one who made you. So if you want to know what your purpose is, if you want to know what God has for you, it makes sense to seek the one who created you. And yet... We seek all of these other outside sources to find our identity and our purpose and what we should do. We do Facebook polls on what do you think, right? And, and, and oh, if I get more likes or if I do this or, or what is called, if, if I had more money, if I had all these things to try to find validation and purpose, social popularity, accolades, pats on the back. And what we're left with is a life that is consistently shifting with the tides. We're up one day and down tomorrow. What is God's purpose for your life? Paul says it right here. To be conformed into his image, chosen them to be like his son. What is your calling? To be like Jesus. Your calling is to surrender to God, to allow him to do his work in you, And what is that work? That work is the work of making you look more like him. Oh, to be like him. Here's the thing. We make things that look like us. You make things that look like you. You think think I'm, look at your kids. You know which kids are mine back there. Look, you seen Kobe? Girl looked just like me. Reese, just like her mama. You make stuff that looks like you. And we, even, we decorate our house to kind of look like us. We kind of buy pets that kind of, oh, this is kind of looks like you. <laughs> All of these things that we do, ooh, 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 yeah, yeah, that's your shirt. Oh, that's your car. It looks like it represents us. We do these things. And you know what? God made things that look like him too. But sin messed it all up. And Jesus came and there's redemption, there's hope. And what is his job? Like, I'm going to bring you back to how you were supposed to look. Supposed to look like your father. I remember uh, we were in uh, Charlotte, and me and Devin are still dating at the time. And uh, 
we're, dri- we're driving down, I think it was South Tryon Boulevard in Charlotte, which is like, you don't want to go on South Tryon Boulevard. Um, but there's this table that I'm driving, and I seen it was just thrown to the side of the road. And I'm like, Err! and I was like, girl, let's get this thing in the truck. And, uh, you know, and we, I ain't too proud. It was a nice table. And we put this table in the back of the truck, and I took it home, and uh, there was some time in between. We, we were already engaged. Devin was in Texas. I was in Florida, and I had this table, and I kept it with me, and I sanded it all down because this table was real wood. It wasn't that uh, China laminate stuff. This was a real wood table. And I, 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 I sanded it all down. I painted it. I stained it. I mean, it's this beautiful table now. People come over the house like, oh, I love that table. I found it on the side of the road. And... Um, the other day, Devin came and she was just like, you know, maybe we should get rid of this table. <laughs> That's like saying you're going to get rid of me. <laughs> because I am this table. This table looks like me. I was lost. And I was on the side of the road. And nobody wanted me. And Jesus picked me up. Because he saw the real wood in me, and he did something, and he, he's done all of this work because he's, man, somebody else didn't see the value in you, but Jesus sees the value in you. And if you're not careful, you'll dismiss what God is doing in you because somebody else just said it was thrown on the side of the road. God took the rejected and the outcast, and he said, come and follow me. He took Peter's words and said, yes, on this, I'll make this. This is a rock because the Father's been revealed to you and through you. Our purpose to look more and more today than I did yesterday like Jesus to be salt and light. It's really that simple. God, to be changed, to be molded in your image that when people get around you, I love it like when people got around the disciples, it says this, and when they got around them, they could see that they were unlearned men. In other words, these dudes ain't very bright. But they saw that they'd been around Jesus. So it don't matter how smart you are. It don't matter if you can't even count to three. If you get around Jesus, it's going to change people. Because it's going to be, oh, I don't know, they ain't very bright, but they've been around Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I love getting around people that have been around Jesus. It's like a leather coat. You could just smell it. Mmm. I got this leather coat in my closet. It just smells up the whole closet. Just, I got these fake leather coats, too. They don't do nothing. Come on. Y'all catch that one later. Do I need to explain it to you? Okay, you got it. You got it. You got it. To look more like Jesus. And then, and then he, he says this. We, we've been predestined for this. And we don't like this word, right? Oh, predestined. It's right there. It says it. And all these arguments, is it predestination or is it free will? Yes. Yep. No, 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 Lucas, I don't understand. Is it predestination or free will? It's got to be, yep. Do we not serve a God who is bigger and can see farther than you could see? That's why we have a problem with predestination. Because we have a problem with this word because we, we don't know that. Listen, he is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. There's nothing that catches him by surprise. So all all of this, even before we messed up, before we had our great success, God knew it, and he's predestined. I've already called you, Peter. 
Let me explain predestination in a way that could help you understand in Lucas terms. Is that okay? When God called you, he already factored in your stupidity. That's predestination. In other words, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how successful you are. And it doesn't matter how little you know. And it doesn't matter how big you failed. It doesn't matter how big you thought you blow it. God already factored that in. And he called you. And those who he's called, he's set apart and he's justified. And those who he's justified, he's glorified. Because not of what you are, but because of who he is. And he is the God who says, it's finished even before it got started. It's done. The lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. All of this happening. And then Paul says these words. I just, I think they're almost like, I wish I could have this conversation with him. Because he says, and who will bring charge against God's elect? I want to be like, Paul, everybody. Maybe it was different than everybody. Everybody wants to tell you how you're doing it so wrong. Everybody wants to bring charge. Everybody wants to be judge and jury. All of these things. I guarantee you someone will. You start walking with Jesus, and you're going to start having some tomatoes thrown at you. And those tomatoes are going to turn to bricks. And they're going to turn to crosses. All of these things. We're following the ways of Jesus. A few months ago when Pastor Jim preached that sermon and he read that verse that said, and if you don't pick up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. The word cannot, it just got in my soul. In other words, it's impossible. It's not highly unlikely. There's not a a different way. Like It's impossible if you don't pick it up and follow me. I'm asking everyone to stand to their feet. Worship team, come back up, please. What is your purpose? I'm here to tell you this morning, it could only be found in him. To be made like him. To submit to his work inside of you for his glory. And church, you can't bury your talent anymore. There is no excuse that you could give your heavenly father when you stand before him, that will suffice. You can't stand before Jesus on that day and be like, it was Lucas's fault. It was my mama's fault. You, don't, you ain't seen my daddy. You don't, you don't know what, I was, what happened. He already knew. And he's already equipped you and given you every good thing that you need in Christ Jesus. Y'all remember that old movie, uh, Rocky? Oh, yeah, you better. Y'all remember the old guy in the corner? Who was who the old guy, Rocky 1 and 2 and 3? The, who, hold on, just Garrett. That's his name? Mickey. Yeah, I was like, that's not a real name. That's a Rocky name. Mickey. You know the old guy? All right, come on, Rocky. I love Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I was going to make an Italian joke with Tommy. I don't know where he's at. But, uh, Mickey, Mickey's great. And I love the fact that if you watch the movie, Mickey's in that corner, and he's just yelling at Rocky. Put your hands up. Put your hands up, Rocky. You don't put your hands up. You're going to get knocked out. I love the fact 
that he's in the corner. He's not yelling at him from the stands. Come on, somebody. He's yelling at him from the corner. It's easy to yell from the stands. It's easy to sit on the couch and say, this is what you should have done. It's a whole different thing when you're in the corner. And, and, and I love the, put your hands up, you're, you're, come on. And when Rocky sits down, he's spraying water all over his face. It's just like, I just kind of see Jesus in your corner saying, come on, church, get your hands up. Come on, church, you're in a fight. And, and the battles, it, it, it ain't against flesh and blood. It takes on flesh and blood. But there's spiritual things that are happening. And church, we've got to get our hands up. We're doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting because we've taken a couple to the chin. Get your hands up. Get your hands up. Sit down in this quarter. The bell's about to ring again. And just like the apostle said, there's pain. And there's persecution. And there's calamity and there's hurt. But what could separate us from the love of God? What could separate us from the love of God? He's in your corner. He chooses to use us to be fully at rest with the God who takes us skydiving. My life is in your hands. God, you pull the cord whenever you feel like it. And even if you don't, unto you I commit my spirit. And those who he called, he justified. And those who he justified, he glorified in Christ Jesus. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, 2023, 20, we seek you first. Lord, to be the Lord of all things. In us, through us, and Lord, if there's those in the room, me being the very first in line, if we've hardened our heart to you, God, we repent. If we've drifted down the beach unknowingly, God, we turn back to you. We need you, Jesus. Our country needs you. Our church needs you. My family needs you. Brunswick County needs you. Mold us into your image and your likeness. If you're in the room today and you don't know him, if you're in the room today and you just, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'll mess up. I'll let you down. I'll say something that hurts you. Listen, Jesus will always be there for you. Your friends will hurt you. Your parents will hurt you. Things will not work. Jesus, there's nothing that you have done or will do that will separate his love for you. And this morning, he's calling you home. And that's you, and you just want to give your life to him. I see you put your hand real high in the air so I can just lead you in a prayer of just repentance and turning back to Jesus. Is there anybody in the room? If that's you, put it real high and leave it there. Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? I don't want any, anyone else to miss this moment. The fact is, the moment you put your hand in the air, God already did it. 
but we're gonna say it out loud too. Church, repeat after me. God, I repent. Lord, my life is yours. I am yours. You are mine. I surrender. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I love you. Amen. Amen, guys. Can we We have somebody in the house. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of it all, Jesus. Come on. Let's sing that one more time. Let's sing it with all of our hearts, with all of our minds. You are worthy. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.